Welcome to the Masters of Modern Recruiting podcast, helping you keep up with the brilliant minds in the ever-changing world of modern recruiting. And now, here's your host, Derek Zeller. Hey, good to see you, Recruiter Maniacs. I've already been introduced. You know, this is the show. Hopefully, this is not your first time listening, but if it is, welcome. Basically, what we're doing here is it's going to be about a 30-minute conversation with some of the really cool people in our industry, some that you may have heard of, some that you may not have, and that's what makes the show interesting. It's pretty open format, and we just kind of chat about things for a good 30 minutes, and it's something for you to listen to while you're making lunch or making dinner or you know, running on the treadmill or something. So welcome, and uh, I want to introduce my, my good friend. Who I've known for forever. She was at one point my editor at Recruiting Daily. She's now gone on to start her own company and she is killing it, uh, which is Three Ears Media. And the person's name is Katrina Kidman, also known as KK. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. This is kind of fun. This is, uh, we've done something like, we've done these before, uh, but never just like in a podcast format. We've done mostly like webinars and things, you and I. Oh, yeah. We we have definitely been at this rodeo a few times, that's for sure. Done that, burned the t-shirt, right? Either recorded or not recorded, right? (laughs) (laughs) You're only one of my favorite people to seek out at any conference because you're kind of like a rock. I can say, yes, there is normalcy for a little bit. (laughs) Exactly. Normal and the weird, right? Normal and the weird. We can be weird together and nobody else gets it except for you and me. And that's what makes it fun. Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> so tell me a little bit about Three Years Media. Uh, let, the, let, the, let my listeners know what's going on. What, what are you doing? And, and, and give yourself a little uh, shot here. Yeah. So Three Years Media is a recruitment marketing consulting firm. And what that means is basically I got really tired of reading terrible job ads. I'm really tired of looking at career sites and wondering why anyone would ever apply there. And I thought, you know, I've been doing this recruiting and marketing thing for a really long time. I bet I could help. And so we do what we call research-based recruitment marketing, which means that nothing is prescriptive. So if you go on our website, there's not a list of services. You're not going to be like, oh, I'd like to buy three job ads and an email. So what we do is we go in and we listen first. We get to know your people, and then we translate that into recruitment marketing strategy that's custom to your company. So whether that means writing new job ads or creating business cards that your executives can hand out when they go out to eat, everything we do is kind of based on people. And you know, what's funny is as I'm saying that, I think to myself, I think that's why Derek and I are friends in the first place. I agree with that. I agree with that. I agree with that. In fact, I'd like to buy a vowel <laughs> before we spend the big wheel. No, I'm just kidding. So you're saying job descriptions do matter then, right? It's just they're just not being written correctly. Absolutely. You know, when we look at the equation of hiring, right, here's one thing that we all can agree on no matter what. If you have hired one role, you can agree on this, that people are completely unpredictable. Sure. And so we need to do better at what we can control, the variables we can control. And your job ad and your career's website – whatever presence you decide to create, whatever content you try to create, all of that should be really good because it's literally the only thing you can control. Because it's, it's your job description, right? Yeah. 
Exactly. So, it's, it's the first impression, the moment mm -hmm. of impact, so to speak. So this is a question I asked Pete um, when we talked a while back. I think I even asked Dean this one too. And it's kind of becoming a, an interesting one for, for the recruiting community. Even though I know you're not a recruiter, but you've been in the community for a long time and you really get it. Is post and pray really post and pray then? I think we, so yes, depending where you're posting it. So if you're still okay. spending a ton of money on job boards and you cannot recall the ROI right off the top of your head, you shouldn't be doing it, right? Mm -hmm. Unless it's working so well that you know, you know, Monster is my number one source of hire, I'd be backing off the post and pray. But here's why it matters. When you post it on your website and you get people who are already bought into your brand, who want to work there and they are seeking out Intel to make that decision, to make the leap, that job on your site starts to matter a lot more. And when we're working with people who are already bought in and already like completely interested, that's when I want to hit a home run. Before I mean, come on. If, if you know, example, if I put you in a room and I said, okay, there are 15 people in here who already said they want to buy from you, right? right? Right. You, or, or I can give you a hundred people who have shown no interest, but they're in the room. What are you going to do? I'm going in the room with 15 people. I'm going to not go in, go in for the home run. Right. It's, it that's exactly it. I think that's, and we do have, of course, quick plug for engaged talent because uh, they, they're uh, covering the cost of these things. And that's, you know, where I work. <laughs> yeah. But that's what engaged talents are really good about is we don't give you just the phone number and the email. We tell you that the likelihood of them going to engage with you. Yeah. So, you know, it's better to, why go after somebody who just started with Google six months ago, as opposed to somebody who's been with Google for six years and that department uh, it was, you know, like Google Glass and is going away they may be looking for a new opportunity in engineering or, or development and so on and so forth. So we give you those, we give you those tools and our uh, right now as, as of this past Monday, we found out from multiple customers that they'd gone from a seven to 8% response rate up to anywhere from 38 to 40%. And one person had theirs go up to 82% response rate. Wow. It's pretty amazing. But as, like you and I were talking about a little bit earlier before we got on the show, engaging emails. That's, that's the thing, right? I mean, just because I can get into your inbox, if I just spam you with like, hi, Bob, I am looking for, and I start out the email with, I am looking for. You know, so it tells me right away that you're not interested in me. You're interested in filling your role. You know, so what's, what, what's in it for me, right? Exactly. I tell everybody there's four things you have to nail if you want to write a really great email. Okay, everybody, hold for a second. Everybody go and grab a pen and paper. <laughs> if you don't have it next to you, or if you do this, pause if you're listening, if you downloaded it, which you probably have, and go get a pen and paper and then come back. And now we're going to go with the four. Okay. Four things you absolutely have to have if you're going to write a recruiting email that's going to get a response. First thing, a killer subject line. Yep. Second thing, you have to tell them why them. Third, why this work fourth why that matters to them boom that's if that's, you can do those four things you can get anyone's attention and have a conversation yeah that's exactly right it's, it's you know it, we talked so much um and with the candies for example and the candidate experience awards and the candidate experience and the candidate experience but nobody seems to really be doing actually doing it yes um 
know, I'm, I still get, I get an email at least a day or an email a day with somebody saying, hey, uh, I need a, we're looking for a contract recruiter in Maryland for a DOD defense contractor. Would you be interested? Well, no, you didn't look at my, my resume. I'm not in recruiting anymore. I mean, I'm, I'm part of it, but I'm not doing a physical recruiting. I haven't been DOD recruiting in two years. I had one guy, he, he, I said, you know, you should do your research. So yeah. he sent me back an email with a resume that he had in his database, I'm assuming, from like 10 years ago with an address from a place I hadn't lived in over 10 years with a phone number that doesn't even exist. And the only reason why he caught me on the email is because I've had like Hotmail slash Outlook since the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. You know, so and it's just impossible for me to get rid of it because that was my original free email. I never really became a Gmail person until later. So that's why I got the email. And I'm like, dude, have you heard of LinkedIn? Right. Like, that's the thing is that information and opportunities, and I'm air quoting the opportunities, are not commodities right now, right? right. Information, anybody can get that. Anybody can go on Google and Boolean or back, whatever, search their way with whatever tool, like engage and find people. It's what you do next with that information information and how you contextualize it, pardon me, contextualize it for a human that will change the way that we recruit. Yeah, I think that the whole terminology, this whole AI stuff, which I just think is, you know, kind of a crock, but it's machine language. Let's let's get it right first, first of all. But everybody's talking about it's going to take over everything and, and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it might help streamline stuff, but at the end of the day, and I hate saying that terminology, but it's true, it, it, you're, hot, you're, you're recruiting people. Yeah. I'm not recruiting robots. I'm recruiting human beings that have feelings. They have families. They have, you know, husbands and wives and kids and cousins and moms and dads and, and friends. And they went to school and they have all of these things. I mean, all this stuff is happening in their lives. And we just, we, we, as recruiters kind of go through to this, it seems like they forget about all of that. All they do is all they see is, well, you're a systems administrator. No. You know, I'm a dad with, I'm a single dad with three kids and I just lost my wife a year ago. That's, that's who I am. I work as a systems administrator, but that's not what I am. And I, it's one of those things where I've told junior recruiters coming up, like never say, oh, I see you're a systems administrator or systems, systems engineer. No, I say that you do work as a systems administrator or you work as a systems engineer. It's how you say that. Exactly. I think that's the number one mistake that companies make and recruiters make is that they make it all about them. They make it all about the company. They start plastering in those little lines about how they work at an epic company with huge opportunities. And it's like, this isn't about you. Right. Yeah. We're looking for, we're looking for a rock star ninja. You know, it's like, what? I I just, I don't, we've had that conversation so many times. It's not even, it's almost hard to talk about it anymore. Um. (laughs) It's still happening. That's the disgusting part. I know. I know the only people, in my opinion, and I think you'll agree with me on this, that can say recruiting rockstar without me got, like going wanting to go off the the deep end is Johnny Campbell, out of Ireland, because right. that's been his that's been his logo for years. He was doing it well before anybody was trying to make that hot and sexy. It, Johnny's been doing that forever, so I was I always add an addendum to that comment that Johnny is allowed to do. He's the only one, in my opinion, that's allowed to say that without me just, like pointing to like throw something at them. I'll give you that one. I mean, I figured that. So yeah, one of the things we're doing in Engage now, and we didn't get a chance to really talk about that, and that we are, I I personally have been uh, setting appointments now with people to help them with their engagement emails for our customers. 
And that has helped a great deal. In fact, I just did one yesterday. I get online with you, you send me the bones of what you've been sending and then I just tear it apart and then send it back and give it to you in a much, much more con concise content way. I think one of the biggest problems I've seen for a lot of the emails lately is people almost like throw up on the email mm -hmm. and like get to the point. You know what I mean? It's like the first two or three paragraphs is all about your company and you. And like you said, you know, this is the great, greatest place on earth to work and so on and so forth. What are you trying to sell me? Yeah. You know, where, where is that? Why is it? Why are you burying the lead, as they say, in journalism? Why are you putting it way down here in the bottom? It should be up here. And the first, the first thing isn't, hi, 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 Katrina. I would like to chat with you about a position. No. Mm -hmm. You know what I say? I go, hi, Katrina. And then when I, I put, you know, hi, Katrina, uh, uh, comma, and then I go down to my paragraph. The first thing I'm like, how are you today? How are things going? Yeah. Making you think in your mind, I'm like, yeah, I'm doing all right. Or I'm doing horrible. What, what do you, what, you know, what's going on? You know, we are looking for, I never, I try to not use I in emails as, as little as possible. I usually use we or the company and this is what we're looking for. And the job description is below in a blue, in a, in a HTML string. Uh, so we want to go look at the actual job description. Sometimes I'll take four or five of the main points of what you will be doing. Not what I'm looking for, but what you'll be doing at this role. So you get a look, you get a chance to look at this and say, Hey, listen, I already know you're a, a JavaScript developer that is for an end. It's all over your resume. So I, I don't need to say I'm looking for JavaScript. That's why I'm talking to you. We're already past that. This is why you want to come work for me because this is what we're doing with JavaScript. And this is the platform that we're working on. And we're building all kinds of new stuff uh, on the front end. You're a front end developer. I don't need to tell you that that's what I'm looking for either. So that, it's, like, it's almost like it's flipping the script, right? Uh, for people to, to look at it, and I, I, I mean, our response, like I said, our response rates are going through the roof now, and it's it's pretty it's pretty entertaining. But I love the job description content that you're doing. That that and those the four things were just perfect. I mean, everything like that was just purely spot on, purely spot on. I try. Yeah. You know, the other thing that I like to add to my email is something about the team, because I I do think that work is less valued than a great team at this point. Like. I think we've all been at that place where we've stayed at a company a little too long because we loved the people so much. Yeah. Um, and so I will try to talk to teams and get some anecdotes to say, you know, this might be interesting to you. I found it really interesting. This team really cares about X when typical product teams care about Y. So for example, I just did a big project uh, helping a company find engineers and sales talent. Mm -hmm. I cannot name names, but no, the, no, no, no. for engineering, we found out that their engineering team actually cared more about their flexible work schedule and how excellent their team was than any of the work that they did. We really tried to push it like, okay, what projects are you working on? They're like, it's not about the project. It's about the people we get to work on when we do it. It's about the way we come up with ideas. It's about the fact that I can leave at three o'clock and no one gives me grief. If you work, there's like summer hours. Some places have that. You can go on Friday. They, they're allowed to get off at like two or three o'clock in the afternoon yeah. uh, to, to go out and enjoy that. Enjoy, especially like, for example, here in Portland, you only, we have a finite amount of time before the rain comes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, we're worse than Seattle. I mean, we have, we are like the, I mean, we're, this really is almost like being in a rainforest when, when the winter comes. Uh, pretty much the end of, end of September, beginning of October, we know it's coming. Um, so in those summer months when you get a chance to get down to the river and have fun when it's nice and warm out, you know, that, that is, that's very practical. 
But then there are some groups like they'll be like, okay, you have that, uh, you have the flex time, or um, the, my other favorite is the unlimited PTO, but it's never really unlimited. Right. You can't just say, well, I'm taking the month off. No one's going to let you take four weeks off. You know, I mean, you still have to do the job. And there's some departments that you can't, you can't do that period. I mean, they, they can't do the summer hours. You can't, accounts payable, checks got to get written. They got to be taken, again, and, everybody, the, there's a, and in the beginning of the month and the end of the month, there's, you know, they have to do all their, pay, they have to do all their, their accounting and make sure all the books are, are good and so on and so forth. I mean, if it's a good company, so they, they don't get to take that time off. So it's not right. for everybody. Maybe you know, it's great for engineering. I mean, that makes and you, heck, I know a lot of engineers that could work from home and they prefer it because they can run three machines at once, have one machine doing one thing, one machine doing another, and then they're writing emails with their third machine. Well, those things are, you know, compiling and doing all the stuff that they need to get done. They're just going to look at it. And nobody's bothering them. Nobody's coming up and saying, hey, Carl, hey, Carol, let's, let's, go, grab a, let's go grab a can of soda. Or did you see uh, last night's Big Bang Theory or something like that? You know, I mean, it's just like, that's why I've always kind of preferred working from home. Is like, I, I'll go out into the public on my time. You're not invading my time. So here's another quick question for you. Yeah. Okay, so we've been talking about engaging talent, right? And we were talking about, we've talked about the people coming in internally and, or from the outside and supplying to their jobs and you reaching out to them with engaging emails. Is it, and this is just your opinion, I don't think there's a yes or a right or wrong answer to this, I have mine, but is it okay to engage talent at their workplace during the day? Yeah, I think we all have a choice about whether we're gonna answer or respond or interact. If like the the other person has the choice if they find that terribly offensive like i'm sorry we live in a digital world i can contact you 12 different ways if you put a phone in your pocket yeah. like work is not an exclusion in my opinion what do you think okay so that's this is interesting because i've, I've gotten i mean it was, i like the way you just like it was like a, for you it's like a no-brainer for me it's like a no-brainer i mean if that's where they're at that's where i'm going to be able to find them and that's the only email i have then of course that's where i'm going to send but what I tell people is, and I'm not going to, I send them the email, I leave my voicemail on their cell phone. Um, I used to recruit for the scary three letters in DC, you know, for high level people with high levels of clearance. And I used to make a joke. I said, you know, one of these people, they go out in the parking lot and they get on their cell phone in their car and they're having their sandwich and they're talking on their phone. Those companies don't think that, hey, I wonder if he's cheating on his wife or he's just calling his girlfriend. They're wanting to know, are you talking to North Korea? because you're an analyst, you know what I mean? So what's going on there? So there, for me on the workspace, I always tell people, I send the email and I specifically put in the email, here's my, you, here's my email, you've seen it, obviously came through just in case it didn't, it's in my signature, and I'll tell them straight out, I would like to chat with you, I know you're at work, I don't want you to steal time away from your employer, so, Email me whenever you can or email me from your, your home account or liquid account that may not be monitored. So go to the, you know, some people can get to their, like a Hotmail or a Gmail at work, some can't. So I tell them, go home or forward this email to, to your home account and then email me from your home account. And then we can set up a time to chat the next day or we can chat at night. Um, I, I take that pressure off of them because I do know there are a number of companies that do monitor emails. Um, exactly. Well, you know, I think you're crossing the line if you contact someone in their network to introduce you that you're not familiar with, right? Sure. I mean, that's like a major boundary we don't cross. I think you have to consider where they work 
just like you said, right? If it's a three letter, if you know it's a top security kind of place or it's one of those big brands that has a, you know, entire network infrastructure team that looks at stuff, be respectful. I think otherwise, you know, we, we have some flexibility. <laughs> <laughs> it's the level of morality that we have to take into consideration every once in a while. I approach every person and every outreach with a conscience. And I would tell anyone to do that. It, yeah. All these little questions, and you and I get them a lot about like, should I send this? Is my email too long? Did I do this? Just do what you would like. Do yeah. what you think this job requires and what someone who would be great for that job would love. Because I am a believer that there is a person for every job, even the shitty, terrible jobs. Yeah. There's a person. Well, there's a thing. For me, it's the, it boils down to, like you said, um, be you, be real. Bad engagement with somebody, it, it's going to carry over. And it's not just going to carry over just from you, but... Recruiters, whether they want to believe it or not, I believe that you're in sales. You're selling your company. You're selling them on to coming to come onto your company or to selling them to uh, go to your third party, to the, your client's company. And if you do a poor job of that engagement, and if you, it's going to come back because you're going to, next time that your company or is going to call them or email them, even if they're looking, they're going to be like, I had a horrible experience with that company. You know, I mean, there was just, it just I, they wasted my time. And I don't ever want to do that again. You know, I just don't, I'm not going to work with either the individual sometimes is not remembered, but the, a lot of times that company name is remembered. And when something works for you, write it down. Start doing yes. your own ROI. You know, do your own ROI. This, this particular email for this particular group and this strategy, I was getting like, you know, response after response after response. And this other email I used, I, you know, I got nothing but crickets. Nobody responded. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I think people pretend that template is a bad word and it's not. If you have a great framework or a template with customization elements that are kind of built in, that stuff is solid. That's exactly what you should be doing. You should always have an infrastructure that you know works and you should keep iterating on that too. Yeah. And I, I, it's, it's weird to me. It's like there's so many things that recruiters and and even sourcers should be doing, and they're not doing it. And I, I get it to a certain point where, like, you know, God, another metric I got to do. And trust me, I am the the ultimate hatred uh, hater of metrics. But in certain respects, it helps you to prove. It's a lot sometimes, like, if you know, I, I'm paying X amount of dollars for like a job board, like you said, or for this sourcing tool that I'm using. Well, what are you getting from it? What, how much? What is your bang for your buck? Do do a quick algebraic line. And I'll tell you, I, I can tell you how much a resume costs you from CareerBuilder over a year, depending on how many resumes you got from CareerBuilder, not only from the advertisements, but from people that you may have gone and pulled from CareerBuilder, and then how many placements you made out of that. That'll tell me how much, how much money you're spending per resume for that ten or fifteen, twenty thousand dollars spend you have just for that, for just for that CareerBuilder tool, monster tool, dice, whatever. Yeah, that kind of data hurts my soul. <laughs> It does. Well, and you know what? Here's the reality. I just saw a report from the staffing industry analysts. Uh, they have a newsletter that's actually really good and has some really good data. But they said that job board spend was down. I, and I'm, I'm like very loosely recapping this. I'm sure there's more specific numbers. About 30% year over year. 
I think that's a big sign for our industry and something we all need to get a hold of and come to terms with that that the old stuff the job board some of this you know post and pray like you said earlier that's not gonna be here much longer no. i don't know what's next but when i figure it out i'm gonna build it yeah. <laughs> that's what i was saying i was like working on a blog post yesterday i said you know the market's so hot right this is the this is the lowest unemployment rate i, I think i've seen since the really the late 90s and even i think it surpassed that uh when we were doing the when we were doing the dot-com craze and it's that, and it's it, because it's it's all it's all across the board. It's manufacturing, it's IT, it's medical, it's accounting. It's everybody, I mean, everybody's. I mean, everybody. It seems like is working, and it's it's getting it's harder and harder to pull people. So it's something that you have to kind of take into account. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Okay, we got about uh, five minutes left, so I'm going to throw out one question, and then this is kind of what I do is I I, I take the last five minutes in this, on this show, and and I I kind of give it to the guest with a pretty open ended question. For anybody that's in this industry, and I and like we're talking about it right now, what are the challenges in recruiting today? So I think ultimately recruiters are expected to be good at everything. Mm -hmm. A great recruiter can write. A great recruiter can be conversational and have great uh, relationships with people. They have to be pretty technical to be able to search, right? And I'm talking about somebody who kind of does it all. Uh, I know there are variations of recruiters in their roles, but I think the real challenge is that there's so much expected and so, such variety in the skills that ultimately recruiters can't be good at everything. And so we either end up specializing and figuring out what we're really good at and doing that, or we fail. And I believe that a lot of the bad behavior in this industry is not intent. It is lack of training and education. And I, so the ultimate challenge is that we're expected to do a lot. My challenge to them is to learn how to be masters of all and to take advantage of opportunities to find templates, to find machines that can help them engage and really understand how you can do it all but to realize that you aren't responsible for knowing how to do it all. You just have to know the, the tools that can help you do it all. I like that. I like that a lot. Cause that, that's, that's, that really kind of goes to the core of a lot of things. And I think that that gets whitewashed. Everybody wants to be the, the perfect, this or the perfect that sometimes it's great. It's great to have, uh, you know, to have be a Jack of all trades. Absolutely. Um, there's glory in that. If you ask there really me. is. Yeah. I mean, there's been positions where I was, I mean, that's how I got into how I became an OFCCP SME. I had to, yep. you know, I mean, there was nobody else's in my company was going to do it and it was just coming out and it was going to affect recruiting. So I spent the time in the evenings and I just studied up on the subject and, you know, next thing I know I'm at a source con speaking about it. Um, which is a dry subject to speak about, but you know, I was the compliancy officer. I was the recruiter. I was the recruiting manager. I had recruiters underneath me, you know, uh, and I put them in swim lanes and I'm, you know, looking at KPIs and I'm looking at, at the metrics and I'm doing the stuff with the job boards and where, where's my spend? All these things are, you know, these are all the hats that you should, if you're not wearing, you should look into wearing them because it, 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 it gives you a better perspective of what you do on a daily basis, which is really cool. So we're coming up to the uh, final uh, final minutes here. Katrina, got anything else for me? 
No, I just would love for people to check out Three Ears Media and our uh, recruitment marketing library has lots of tips like this to help you write better emails, better subject lines, write better, period. I've worked with Katrina in the past. She's one of the best editors I've ever had. And this, this lady really, truly knows her stuff. And uh, if you don't get her on your, uh, if you don't get her on your radar soon, you're not going to probably get her on your radar because she's getting, she's overwhelmed right now, I believe, with how much business she's getting. And I'm just so proud of you, Katrina. I think you're just one of the most awesome people in the world. And I just keep knocking them out of the park. And you know, my phone line is always open if you ever need anything from me. Thanks, Katrina, for coming on. And that's it for us. Uh, everybody have a great uh, rest of whatever it is you're doing. And thanks for downloading and listening. Have a good one. You've been listening to the Masters of Modern Recruiting podcast with your host, Derek Zeller, empowered by Engage Talent. To learn more about Engage and how modern recruiters everywhere are discovering new passive candidates and getting to them faster than ever before, schedule your demo today at www.engagetalent.com forward slash request dash a dash demo. Thank you for listening and see you on the next episode.